Welcome to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. May the Word of God be a blessing to you. Connect with us and consider giving online at lifespringchurch.us. Welcome to 2023. Another year is underway. I hope you've started this year with your focus on Jesus and the kingdom and all that he can do in your life. I hope you've made a priority during our 21 days of sacrifice to join with us as a unified body in sacrifice. We've given up some stuff. We've given up sugar. Anybody have withdrawals? I'll raise my hand. I had sugar withdrawals. I'm a sugar addict. Probably should go to celebrate recovery and work on my sugar addiction. Hi, my name is Todd Johnson. I'm a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, and I'm struggling with sugar addiction. We should be very aware. We should take inventory. We should account for what God has done in our lives and how he's blessed us in 2022. If you were to just sit down and take five minutes and just write out a list of the blessings from 2022. We all survived. Sickness has become less. Praise God. Our health has been good. Oh, we've had issues. We've had stuff go on. We've, we've dealt with things. But God's been with us through all of our health. God's blessed us financially. All of us have eaten. All of us have been able to pay our bills. God's been with us. God's prepared for us. God's blessed us in last year. We've grown spiritually, I hope you can say. But just as important as it is is to remember what God has done in 2022. And I would encourage you in this first month of the year to take a moment and just recognize all the goodness that God has poured into your life. And maybe you have already. But we should also begin to prepare our hearts and our minds. We should open the door of our heart to great expectation and belief and faith of what God wants to do in 2023. I'm not a huge proponent of New Year's resolutions. When the calendar flips to me, it's just the new day of a new month of a new year. It's just the numerical change on the calendar. But to some, it really does represent a new beginning. And I hope we can embrace that. And, and I try to embrace that to some extent in my life. But I'll put all of my new beginnings at January 1st, I guess is what I'm trying to say. When there's a change that needs to be made, I try to be active and proactive and, and make that change when it comes around. But the beginning of the year happens to often be a, a key point in people's lives, a, a trigger that helps them make new and fresh commitments. Maybe I can ask you a, a few questions this morning and, and you can contemplate them on, on 2022. One year ago, compared to today, or today, how was your life, and I'm going to ask you in a few different categories, spiritually, 
a year ago? How were you spiritually? Has your relationship with Jesus Christ matured and grown in the last year? I hope you can say yes. I hope you can say that I feel closer to Jesus than I've ever felt before. I hope you can say in your heart and in your mind, I feel more connected to the body of Christ than I've ever felt before. How about emotionally? We went through two years of fear and trouble and turmoil, chaos. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be broken. It seemed like schedules and calendars and meetings were all subject to who sneezed or coughed. Seemed like all of our decisions were based on somebody else's health. Our emotions were strained. We were stressed. We were. I'm a pretty organized person. I like to get my ducks in a row and leave them in a row. And then when a duck needs to move, I like to have a duck to replace it when I move it. I'm not real good with ducks running wild and me chasing them back to get them back in their row. We had two years of chaos, ducks running everywhere. It was emotionally draining, and you felt it. You, you experienced that. And, and I hope that in this last year, 2022, we've regained calmness. We've regained the peace of God into our lives. We regained some, some stability, maybe back into some some comfortable routine in our lives. Financially. One year ago to now, financially, can you say that being a faithful steward of your tithes and your offerings has brought blessing into your home? Can you say that being financially committed to the kingdom of God has brought blessing into your home? I hope you can. February is a month of stewardship, and we'll talk more about stewardship here in a few weeks, but if we're faithful to God, He's faithful to us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Physically, we talked about this. Have you physically become better in your health? Has God brought healing to your body? Greg shared his healing story with us last week. God's done the incredible, the miraculous with the healing in, in Greg's body of his bones. But just in general, we've become healthier people. We've become better. God's hand has been upon us. We can celebrate 2022 and what God has done. Amen? If you can answer yes to any of these questions, then I can just introduce the topic today. Your yes would lead me to say to you, welcome to the kingdom. Welcome to the kingdom. Or welcome to his kingdom. Living in the kingdom of God is the expected lifestyle of the disciples of Jesus Christ. God wants us to enter the kingdom and live in the kingdom. Amen? Matthew 6 and 10 says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. If you're familiar with this, this verse, you know that this is part of the Lord's example prayer to us for how we ought to pray. His prayer training session with the disciples. Thy kingdom come, 
Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Do you know what? Sometimes we just got to take the Bible, pause life, stop and let it soak and marinate for just a second. There's some powerful stuff in just that short little verse in the Bible. Can I rearrange the words but keep the meaning in the context? As it is in heaven, thy kingdom come, be done in earth. This tells me God already has a plan. God's not sitting in heaven on Sunday, today. Wringing his hands. Man, I just don't know what we're going to do after 2 o'clock today. I'm confused. It slipped up on me. How did this day get here so quick? Yeah, I know we're already two-thirds of the way through January, and some of us are like, what? Yes, hold on, it's coming fast. But it didn't catch God by surprise today. He already has a will and a plan and a purpose for today and tomorrow and the entire rest of your life planned out. He had your life ordained before it even began. Jeremiah said he knew us from our mother's womb. He ordained us from our mother's womb. He knew our purpose before we were even born. So you can live in the perfect will and plan of God today. His will in heaven is already determined for you, for me, for this church. So how do I get it out of heaven and into this earth? How do I live the will of God? You see, his kingdom is heaven's design put into action here on earth. That's his kingdom. The kingdom of God is heaven's will being done in the earth. The kingdom of heaven is when we go spend time with God in eternity. Both terms are used in the Bible. The kingdom of God is his will done here on the earth. You're a part of a kingdom. Who has a pretty incredible king. His kingdom is realizing we are part of something bigger than ourselves. We're a part of something that's Massive. We don't even fully understand and comprehend all that's happening. God knows your tomorrow before you understand it or know what's going to happen. That means his kingdom's bigger than me. God knows your divine appointment's going to happen next week or next month or a couple months from now or a few weeks from now. God knows that divine appointment. He's already begun to work in somebody else's heart and prepare them for that meeting. We can't understand how God operates. My son Eli has taken up playing chess. Him and one of his friends have started to study chess strategy. I guess there's moves that have names. I mean, it's way from, I'm, I'm barely a checkers player, so. I can play chess and act like I know what I'm doing, and I know where the guys are supposed to move, but strategy? Come on. God plays four-dimensional chess with the universe. It's beyond our mind. It explodes our mind. It's, it's beyond our comprehension. 
we can't even fathom all that God is doing. But we can bring his will to earth. Here's the vision and goals of LifeSpring Church. They are to make a difference in his kingdom. The purpose of LifeSpring Church, which is our why. Why do we exist? We exist to, exi to assist others in connecting to Jesus Christ. We are believers in a community covered in grace and grounded in biblical doctrine. This is our purpose statement as a church. What's our vision? We'll talk more about this next week on Vision Sunday. But our vision is, isn't the what, but it's the isn't the why, but it's the what. What are we to do? The vision of Live Spring Church is to establish a mother church in Springfield, Missouri, that is grounded in apostolic doctrine, teaches and preaches the Pentecostal experience, and promotes the lifestyle of holiness. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to make disciples. And how? How do we do that? That's called a mission statement. What is our mission statement? LifeSpring Church is a community of Christians with a vision to lead others into a spirit-filled personal relationship with Jesus Christ. These words are selected and chosen with intention. We're a community of Christians. Community means an inviting place where everybody is welcome and everybody has the opportunity to be saved and to serve. We're Christian. Amen. We're Christian, which means we are simply disciples of Jesus Christ. We follow Jesus. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch because they were doing and following the teachings of Jesus. Christian, Christ-like. Spirit-filled. Intentional. Because we have experienced the new birth of water and spirit as taught to us by Jesus in John chapter 3 and verse 5. Except a man be born again of the water and the spirit. That's what we're here for. To be obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we all want personal relationships with Jesus. Our relationship with Jesus Christ is individual and personal. Rather, being rather than being defined by gatherings, groups, and events. We have individual relationship with Jesus Christ. And we bring our individual relationship together for corporate worship. We bring our individual relationships together for events and for gatherings. Maybe this is a crazy statement you probably haven't ever heard over a pulpit before. But you're a child of God before you're a member of LifeSpring Church. Some people think membership matters. It does. We're supposed to be connected to the body. You have a purpose to play in this member of the body of Christ. A hand without fingers can't do much. So if this church is the hand of God, then you may be the fingers of God, helping us grip and do and work the purpose of God. But we have individual relationship with Jesus Christ. 
That is paramount in our lives. That is first in our lives. That should be foremost in our lives. His kingdom is the priority in our lives. His kingdom must be the foundation and reason that we live. We don't live for ourselves. We don't live simply to serve ourselves. We don't attend church for ourselves. We do these things so that others can experience the grace, the freedom, the salvation, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know why I stand here every Sunday? Because I want you to experience God in all of his fullness. I'm sliding off into a leadership lesson. Hold on. I got two wheels off the curb and I'm sliding into the ditch. I can't stop it. Do you know what it means to be a leader? Some people think leadership means having a title. Some people think leadership means having delegated authority. And sometimes those things come with leadership. But that's not what it means to be a leader. To be a leader simply means to have influence. That's the, mean, that's the definition of leadership. Having influence. Now you can use your influence for good or you can use your influence for bad. But leadership is having influence. Parents are leaders in their home. They should influence what's going on in their house. As followers of Jesus Christ, we should have influence on the job. We should be promoting the goodness of God in our places of employment. We should be leaders. We should be influencing our community for the purpose of God. This is leadership, influence. But why do we want influence? Anybody running for a political office? Okay, I might dissuade you with my next comment. Politicians look for influence to grant themselves power. Do you know the last person that should be given a leadership role? Someone who wants it. Because they're looking for power. They're looking for authority. They're looking for dominion. They want to create a domain. They want to create their own kingdom. They want to have power and authority. That's the last person that should be a leader. We don't use leadership for us. We use leadership and influence so that we can promote others. That's the purpose of a leader. If you've worked a job and you've had a supervisor or a boss, and their sole responsibility was to build their ladder of advancement, they weren't a very good leader. They'd step on people. they climb over people. they use people. And others have had, you've had bosses or supervisors or, or managers in your job or employment, and, and they've been great leaders because they've been a part of the team. And their purpose was to create opportunity and create promotion among the team members. This is leadership. This is the purpose of being a leader. And that is the purpose of LiveSpring Church. We are to be influencers to help and lead others to be saved. And once they've been obedient to the gospel, then we help lead them into becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. And the full circle is when that disciple becomes a disciple maker for Jesus Christ. All right, I think I'm back out of the ditch. 
If the only religious moments in our lives are tied to a gathering like we're at today, we're missing out. We are missing out on the beauty of being in his kingdom. We could put a sign on the front of the building that says, Live Spring Hospital. We could. Because this is people where people come who are emotionally broken. People who are spiritually destitute. People who have physical and emotional and spiritual needs come to this place. This is the place where brokenness is fixed by the hand of God. This really is an operating room. This is the place where we cleanse ourselves before we come into because we're going to be working on other people. We don't want our hurts, habits, and hang-ups contaminating their open wounds. This is the place where we come to help others find healing and direction and hope. This is where we come and they understand that their life isn't just some happenstance day to day, but God has a purpose for them and to fulfill that purpose into their life. I'm feeling a bit nostalgic when you need a map, we just whip out our phones today or push it into the GPS and the dashboard and boop, we get a little dot that leads us right where we're supposed to go. It's so easy. But years ago, it wasn't that way. And man, I'm getting old. I'm talking about years ago. Years ago, if you went on a trip, you had to have someone who was driving and then you had somebody else who was nicknamed the Navigator. And sometimes the conversations between the driver and the navigator became intense. It, it took lots of teamwork and cooperation and, and understanding and definitely required clarity in communication. Am I supposed to turn left here? Right. Am I supposed to turn right? No, left. Left? Right. I've pretty much decided on all of my conference calls I'm not using right as, a, as an answer for correct. Man, that's gotten me into so many trouble. We have to find clarity in our the way we communicate. And that is what we are. When people come into the to the house of God today, we're like the old gas station on the side of the road where someone's gotten lost and they're like, man, I gotta get a map. And they pull into the old gas station, they walk in the old counter, and they find one of those old folded up which you can never refold the same way, maps. They walk into here and we're like, man, you look like you're a little lost. We got a, we got a map that will give you direction for your life. If you'll unfold this thing and you'll begin to, to read it and you'll start to look at the details of it, you'll find a route that will lead you to heaven. That's what Life Spring Church is. We're the navigator. Jesus is driving, and we're the navigator. Here's the process. Those in need get their need satisfied by Jesus. 
And once our needs have been met by the Lord and Master, the great physician, the healer of all, once he's applied what the Bible calls the balm of Gilead, once he's ministered to our lives and administered healing into our lives, we then shift in purpose. We shift from being patients laying on the gurney to be attendants with our scrubs on and our rubber gloves on, helping the great physician work on the next patient. I fear some in Christianity have become perpetual patients. All they have are problems to bring to Jesus, and they have no commitment to helping become an attendant in the surgery room. Lord, help us mature in our relationship with you to the point that we can lay aside every weight and every sin that does so easily beset us and we can climb off the operating table and we can put on some scrubs and we can pull on our, our rubber gloves and we can pull out the instrument tray and we can say, all right, Master, who's next? Who can have a healing experience like I've had in my life? Who can have a dynamic change in their spirit like I've had in mine? People whose lives have been shattered, busted into a million pieces. We look at their lives and we say, man, that is messed up. I don't see any way they can pull it back together. And that's a true statement. There are some people who get so far in life that there's no way they can pull it back together. Maybe you've been there. I could testify. I've been at a dead-end road. I've been to a place where I said, there's nothing else I can do with this life. But then we have a revelation, and hopefully it's our voice, your voice, that speaks that hope into their life and says, you're right, you can't fix it, but let me take you to the great physician. Let me take you to the master of all masters. Let me take you to the king of all kings, the gracious one, the merciful one, the loving God who says, Come unto me, all of you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Come unto me, all of you who are broken, I'll heal you. Come to all of me who are demented, I'll deliver you. Come to all of me, all of you. Come to me, all of you who are addicted, and I'll deliver you. And God does the work. Anybody testify that God did a work in your life? God will do the work. He'll do the work. You can put your faith in the fact that God will do the work. That once this person has made it, they're now on their feet. The challenge of becoming a disciple falls into place. Does this person check out of the hospital and go back to living their life how they've always lived it? Or do they walk down to the HR department and say, you know what, I need a job. This, this place has mission. This place has purpose. Sign me up. 
I want to work in the operating room. Sign me up. I want to work in the recovery corridor. Sign me up. I want to do whatever I have to in this hospital. I want to help other people be healed. They shift from being patients to being workers of the kingdom. So when we enter into his kingdom, it's no longer about us, but it's about us becoming a willing servant to God. It's about serving the king of kings. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 19. If you had my notes, you would be scared to hear that I'm still in the introduction. but I'm over halfway through my notes. So today's long introduction. Matthew 5 and 19. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Hold on. Time out. Pause. Stop. Halt. Whoa. Whoa. Do you know how to get to the bottom of the list in the kingdom of heaven? Don't be obedient to the, God, the word of God. And teach other people to be disobedient to the word of God. Fast track to jail. Go straight to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect 200 bucks. Your game piece is out of play can't be used for the kingdom if we can't be obedient and we would be so prideful as to think our disobedience should be taught to others to disobey the word of God God says I'm taking you out of the game I'm setting you over here as my pastor would say have a nice day that's not the end of the verse it keeps on hold on but whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great kingdom of God. So by being obedient to the word of God, the commandments of God, and teaching others to be obedient to the commandments of God, we go from just the middle of the pack to the top of the pack. I want to be great in God's kingdom. I've never been satisfied with huh, ho-hum. I always want to be at the top of the list. So, Jesus in his teaching gives us clear direction. We must do what he calls us to do, and we must teach others to do what he's called us to do. Matthew chapter 19 tells us a story. I've been reading through Matthew in, in January, and what a shocker. It's the first book of the New Testament. It's January. Maybe you're doing the same thing. And I've read this story, this passage in, in Matthew 19 a number of times. But a few days ago, or, or maybe last week, it jumped out at me. Matthew 19, 16 through 22. 
And behold, one came and said unto him, this is a young man coming to Jesus, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Can I translate? Hey, Jesus, what's the rules for me to stay in the game? And he said unto, you, unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is, God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, all right, commandments. Which ones? And Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder. Hey, don't kill nobody. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Be faithful in your flesh and in your living. Thou shalt not steal. No five-finger discounts. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Don't be lying to people. Honor your father and mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus laid out the rules. And the young man said, all these I have kept from my youth. But there was still something in him that felt convicted. Something in him that still felt like I'm not yet in the kingdom. What am I lacking? Jesus says, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Jesus made his expectations very clear to us. Disciples are more than just rule-obeying service attenders. Disciples, ones who come and follow him. Hey, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Bartholomew, Matthew, come, follow me. Oh, those are disciples of Jesus Christ. They're following him. This young man says, what do I need to do? Jesus says, give up all of your life and come follow me and live my life. And he says, no, 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 that's too much. I'd rather just keep obeying the rules and going to the synagogue on Sabbath and being obedient to the rules than giving up my life to become a follower of you. He walked away sorrowful because he was content with the rules, but he was uncommitted to the purpose. He was uncommitted to the commission. We must become committed to giving our everything to him. Making his kingdom first. Making his kingdom highest in priority. Making his kingdom the largest portion of our life. Then we become a follower of Jesus Christ. We surrender us and we follow him. This is what it means to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. This convicts me. This convicts me. This causes me to take inventory. What part of my life 
What part of my designed life has taken higher priority over God's design for my life? Lord, help me. Help me readjust. Help me recommit. Help me re-surrender. Lord, I want to be more than just a church-attending rule follower. I want to become a true disciple of Jesus Christ. I want to walk with you. I don't want to just meet with you on a service time, but I want to walk with you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every day, from sun up till sundown, even in the nighttime hours of literal the day or even the night hours of life. I always want to be walking with him. I want to be so kingly aware of his presence. I want to be so close to him that I can become like John the Beloved who laid his head upon his chest. The only one close enough of the disciples to hear the heartbeat of God. I want to become so committed and sold out to his kingdom that this world loses its appeal to me. I wonder if we just lift our hands to heaven for a minute. Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. Lord, I don't want it to be idle words, but I want it to be demonstrated. I want it to be demonstrated in my life. I want it to be demonstrated in my words. I want it to be demonstrated in where my feet go. I want it to be demonstrated in my thoughts, Lord. I want it to be demonstrated in my actions, God. Oh, I wonder if you could just talk to him for a minute. Maybe this is a moment of recommitment. I just feel his presence in this house right now. Lord, I surrender right now, God. I surrender fresh and new to you in this moment, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Some people would say, Preacher, you're preaching an exclusive message. You're creating barriers to the kingdom. No, 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 no. I'm not creating barriers to no kingdom. I'm just sharing with you the king's expectations for being in his kingdom. The reality is the kingdom of God is not exclusive in any manner. The kingdom of God is 100% inclusive. The kingdom of God is open to everybody to be in his kingdom. I don't know who can really be in the kingdom of God. I'll tell you who can be in the kingdom of God. Your neighbor can be in the kingdom of God. Your co-worker can be in the kingdom of God. Your friends can be in the kingdom of God. Your family can be in the kingdom of God. Those you interact with in the workplace and in the marketplace can be in the kingdom of God. The rich, the poor, the sick, the afflicted, the whole, the broken, the healed, the mended, the lost, the found, the saved, all are welcome into the kingdom of God. I once was lost, but now I'm found, are the words of the old hymn. But let me tell you, being found isn't enough. 
to satisfy God's destiny for me. What would happen if God would have left the 989, came out into the wilderness, out into the bushes, out into the darkest night and through the storm and spotted you on the other side of the valley and said, I found him. All right, I'm good. He didn't find me. He delivered me. He didn't find me. He rescued me. Finding was the first step in the process. I'm not satisfied with just being found by God, but I want the great shepherd, the good shepherd, the master shepherd to not just spot me across the gully, but I want him to traverse the, the hard ground. I want him to traverse the, the ravine, climb the cliff, come to this predicament that I've gotten myself in, grab me up, sling me over his shoulders, and take me back to the fold. I want him to, moon, to win to mend my wounds. I want him to pour on ointment and apply the bandages. I want him to care for me and protect me and heal me. And then however sheep communicate to sheep, I want to tell every other sheep in the fold, don't leave. Don't leave. It's rough out there. You'll get beat up. You'll get wounds. You'll get disoriented. You'll get lost. You'll be confounded by all that's going on. And when the night rolls in and the storm begins to blow, you'll go find safety. But the best you'll find is a briar patch. And you'll find yourself hurting and broken and wounded. And, and, and if you do get there, don't go. But if you do get there, I can tell you about our shepherd. He'll come find you. And once he spots you, he'll come rescue you. And once he's rescued you, he'll come back and heal you. My soul desires more than just living here on the precipice of the unknown, just being found. The edge of existing has no appeal to me. I want to survive and surrender to the great shepherd's instruction. I want to obey and live in the safety of his arms. I could surely say once I was lost, but now I've been found and rescued. So everybody is welcome into the kingdom. Everybody is welcome in the kingdom. The question is, if, we've, if we're going to lead somebody to the kingdom, if they're going to come into the kingdom and if they're going to bring heaven's purpose for their life to earth and, and be in the kingdom how do they get in the kingdom? It's a great question. I'm glad you asked. Goes right along with the notes. Matthew 7 and 21 gives us the answer. First he tells us who isn't in the kingdom. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Then he gives us who can be in the kingdom. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. The will of the Father is simply this. 
to seek and to save the lost. And for us to go out and fill the marriage supper with guests. To be part of his kingdom is really simple to understand. There's two paths of obedience or two paths of action in obeying the will of the Father. The first is simply to obey the gospel. The obedience to the gospel looks like this. I acknowledge that God exists and that he wants to be in relationship with me. For it is impossible. Without faith, it is impossible. Without faith, it is impossible. You must first believe that he exists and that he wants to be in relationship with you. Second, you must realize that our sinful nature is what causes us to be separated from God. There is nothing we can do to remove our own sin. There is nothing we can do to be delivered from our sins. So we must accept that Jesus Christ is the only acceptable sacrifice that can redeem us from our sin. The first two steps are internal steps. It's getting our brain and our heart in alignment with who God is and what he wants to do for us. Some people it takes a little time. Other people are so desperate it takes just a moment. Next, we must repent of our disobedience to God's word. And in that repentance we make a commitment to walk in the direction that God wants us to walk. We are then baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or removal of our sins. Then through surrender, we openly receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in tongues. This is God's Spirit living inside of us. And now we have fulfilled the gospel and we become disciples by living a consecrated life unto Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. This is known as the biblical plan of salvation. These ingredients for salvation come from a complete study of Scripture. These are not the product of single verses. These are not the product of denominational doctrines. These were not written in a headquarters of some denomination and voted on by a committee. These come straight and directly from the Word of God. These are not the religious creeds of religious men of old, of the religious fathers. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus taught the apostles and the apostles taught the believers. This is the doctrine preached by the apostles. This is the new birth whereby we are born again of water and spirit. Second, we must obey the commission. To be disciples means that we then make disciples. In full transparency today, when I look at Christianity as a whole, I fear we have created a culture that has gotten the cart in front of the horse. We have tried to make disciples out of people, hoping that through discipleship they'll become committed to the gospel. 
We've tried to teach people how to live lives pleasing to Jesus. We're not saved by works. We're saved by faith. We're saved by grace. And we demonstrate that faith by our obedience to the word of God. But our obedience to the word of God without faith is dead. Faith without works is dead. And so we must first have faith and believe in the salvation that Jesus offers us. <coughs> we try to make disciples out of people uncommitted to obedience to the gospel. People not filled with the Holy Spirit. These are men and women, young people who are limited in their ability to live perfect before God and to be a witness because in our lives, no matter how self-disciplined we are, we falter and fail because we are flesh. But with the infilling of the Holy Spirit, Acts 1 and 8 tells us that we receive power to become a witness. It's His Spirit that gives us the power to overcome. It's His Spirit that gives us the life to live that's a testimony to those around us. Remember my grandma Shirley telling the story of her conversion. She was a Sunday school teacher in a denominal church loving God she was obeying the rules and attending church even serving in the church she worked at Monsanto in St. Louis she retired when I was still young so I don't really understand everything that she did but she always had photographs that she would duplicate on plain paper for us they were the Best gifts, in her opinion. I called her one day and I said, I don't know the story. I don't know, I don't know your story. So she began to tell me her story. She was at work. She was working with another lady who was a Christian. And they kind of knew each other, were acquaintances with one another. She said, that Christian lady had something in her life that I didn't have in mine. And I wanted what she had in her life. She said, so I just began to ask her, what's different about you than what I'm doing? Which, of course, leads to a Bible study. Which, of course, leads to an understanding of Jesus Christ and the, Him being the fulfillment of God manifested in flesh. It led to an understanding of biblical doctrine. It led to, her, led to her being a complete fulfillment of the gospel in her life. Fully obeying the gospel in repentance. Baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. And the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It was through the power of the Holy Ghost that her life was radically transformed. My grandma Shirley, she could rub two pennies together and a hundred dollars would fall out. If you called her frugal, she would have thought you were calling her a big spender. 
wasn't by choice. She raised four boys with an absent husband, then a husband that left. She said, I'd have to figure out how to manage my money. That's how the Holy Spirit works in our life. I didn't make very much. I just had to do what I could do to make ends meet. And it seemed like every month there were more bills than bucks. So she said, I began to pray and I asked God to help me. I don't know what my grandmother's education level was. I do know she got married when she was 13 or 14. If that plays into her education level, she didn't get much past junior high or middle school. She said, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to take all my expenses and write them down, figure out how much I spend every year on all of these different things, divide it by 12, create a monthly amount that I needed and start setting it aside every month and, and put it aside and then I would just call it a financial budget and I would just start doing that. She said, I, I did that and began to work on me and I went out and bought some books and I began to read about what it means to make a budget and how to create a budget. She goes, I was listening to Christian radio several, several years after that like 10 years or, or more after she had begun this process. And they started this new segment on the radio about how the Bible teaches people to create a budget and be a steward and be responsible. And this guy was teaching about how to write budgets just like I've been doing. And I was like, I didn't even know this was in the Bible. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He leads you in your inabilities. He guides you and directs you. Maybe you are greatest at keeping a budget, but where is it that you fall short in your life? That's where the Holy Spirit can begin to work and move and lead and guide and work in your life. Oh, I don't have a testimony. You have a testimony. I said this was a primer for next week. I want to spill some of the beans. God wants us to grow in our faith this year. God's going to give us opportunities to activate and be I'm trying to look for the right word active in our faith. Opportunities to apply our faith to situations. Faith building opportunities. And by the leading and the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit power, empowering us and guiding us, leading us. We will walk in faith. And we will see God do what only God can do. You can stand with me. That gives you hope and tells me to hurry up. Only seven more pages. No, I'm joking. the empowering, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, we become witnesses. It's bigger than us. It's bigger than us. What God wants to do with you, through you, by you, 
is bigger than what you can do with you, through yourself, or by yourself. I think it was Greg that texted me this week. As the prophet that said, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. How is heaven going to come to earth? How do we enter into his kingdom? It's through the power of his spirit leading us and guiding us. One of the things God has called us to do as disciples of him is to be fully obedient to the gospel. This is first and foremost. And after we've been obedient to the gospel, then we become a follower of Jesus Christ. And the commission becomes our life mission. What is the commission? Well, I'm going to read it to you in all three of its versions. Written by Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew 28 and 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. How many knows the name of the Father? Jesus. He said, I come in my Father's name. How many knows the name of the Son is Jesus? The angel said, you shall call him Jesus. How many knows the name of the Holy Spirit is Jesus? For I will send the Comforter in my name. Mark 16, 15 and 16 says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Luke 24, 47 and 48. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. This is the commission. Obey the gospel. Become a disciple. And then go make disciples. Because to become great in the kingdom is to obey the commandment of God and then teach others to obey the commandment of God. Wednesday we talked about rightly dividing the word. Part of rightly dividing the word are understanding scripture is knowing its context. Jesus in this setting is not teaching in a Bible school. Jesus is not teaching in a theological seminary. Jesus is not teaching to anybody who has a specific calling into one of the five folds of ministry, the five offices of ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, and pastor. He is simply teaching to those who said, I will commit my life to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Every follower of Jesus Christ is commissioned by the Great Commission that it would become their life mission to be a disciple maker. I said earlier the story of the young man that Matthew 19 has convicted me I'm feeling a pulling in my spirit and I hope it gets into yours Lord I want to be more than just a rule abiding attender I want to become one who works for the kingdom one who serves the kingdom one who fulfills the commission of the kingdom have I become satisfied this is a question I asked myself this week 
Have I become satisfied with simply following the rules so comfortable that I rejected the call to give up my life and follow Jesus? Here in just a moment, we're all going to come forward. And if you've never experienced the fullness of the gospel, you can repent today. You can be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ today. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost just like they were in the book of Acts. And if the commission has been decommissioned in your life, it can be recommissioned today. God wants to do something with us, through us, by us, for His kingdom this year. Oh, I feel the call of God. Let's go deeper in service to Him. Let's reach higher in service to Him. Let's stretch ourselves and expand our borders in obedience to Him. Because I want to be welcomed to the kingdom myself. But here's what I want. Really, really what I want to see. I want to become a greeter. David said it's better to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. I want to stand at the gate of God's kingdom. Welcome to the kingdom. Welcome to the kingdom. Oh, so good to see you. Welcome to the kingdom. Come right on in. Welcome to the kingdom. Oh, the lines get longer. You're all invited. Welcome to the kingdom. Thank you for listening to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. Join us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit us online at lifespringchurch.us.